Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So if you're taking notes, I'd like you to write at the top of your notes, beliefs, treasures, and values. Beliefs, treasures, and values, because that's what we're going to talk about. Primarily, we're going to teach on values and a value system. Let's read from Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19 through to 21. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through to 21. Jesus is speaking, and He's saying, or teaching, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Underline that verse because we're going to... Um, we're going to unpackage that verse. What did Jesus mean when he said, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, before we go any further, let's define, first of all, the meaning of the word treasure. Treasure. You know, some people, when they hear the word treasure, they have one-track mind. So, we're going to define, according to the dictionary, what is the meaning of the word treasure? According to the dictionary, the word treasure is defined as anything or person greatly valued or highly prized. Treasure, in its true definition, is anything, things, or person greatly valued or highly Prized. What someone considers as treasure to him or to her is not necessarily someone else's treasure. What I consider as my treasure might not be your treasure. Amen? Now, for example, someone hears the word treasure, to them it means wealth, money. Gold, precious stones, material things. Whereas another treasure means something more valuable, means family, children, and marriage. For instance, what's God's greatest treasure, for instance? What does He consider as highly valuable? Anyone? You and I are His treasures. For God, gold means nothing. I mean, streets in heaven are made of gold. Gates. Whole, a whole gate is made out of one pearl. So for God, when we talk about treasure, doesn't mean the same thing as we refer to treasure. God's greatest treasure is His people. Amen? So, for the psalmist, the psalmist talks about his treasure. In Psalm 119 and verse 27, listen to what the psalmist says. Therefore, I love your commandments, or treasure your commandments, more than gold, yes, than fine gold. For the psalmist, his treasure was what? The Word of God. 
the commandments of the Lord, the statutes, the principles of God, those were his treasures. So it could mean different things to different people. In this light, therefore, let us examine what Jesus said in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What he was referring to is that what you consider as highly valuable to you, your heart will wrap itself around those values and pursue them with passion, naturally. If you stop and think, your mind is always gravitating to the things you consider valuable to you. So Jesus, when he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, he meant that what you consider as highly valuable, your heart naturally gravitates to those things and wraps itself around it and pursues those things with passion. For instance, if Jesus is our treasure, our hearts will wrap itself around him and around his kingdom. Amen? So, that's what Jesus meant. Your treasure, therefore, is what you consider as precious and valuable to you, and naturally what you consider as such, you devote yourself to it. You pursue it with passion, with vigor, without even trying to do it. You love doing it because that's your passion. That's what you value in life. So, the Lord Jesus in these passages of Scripture is teaching us on how to lay up treasures, he says, where? In heaven, where no thief can break through and steal. There is no moth, there is no rust, where they can come in and corrupt or steal those things which are valuable to us. So he's teaching us how to lay treasures in heaven. One of the things that puzzled me for a number of years as I read these scriptures, I was wondering, how do you store up treasure in heaven? I mean, how do you do it, practically speaking? Well, this is what Jesus is teaching us, and this is what we are teaching here tonight. The way you store up treasures in heaven, according to the Word, is that by living a life that is based upon the treasures or the values, if you will, of the kingdom of God, which have rewards not only in this life, but in that which is to come. The values or what the kingdom of God considers highly uh, honorable or valuable are those things which have rewards both in this life and in the life to come. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he's teaching us how to do it. He said, choose to live by the values which are far greater and more honorable in life and by doing that, you will store your rewards, your treasures in heaven where no thief can break through, no moth and rust can corrupt. You will find them there when you get there. Your rewards will never be taken away from you. Whereas in this life, it, this life is so shaky. Today, I know in Cyprus a few years ago, People were millionaires. They woke up the next morning and they were paupers. And it happened. We've heard testimonies of people who worked all of their lives. They went to Australia, they came back, they went to the United States, they went back to Cyprus, and they brought their money and they stored them in the bank. And they woke up one morning and they had millions and all they had left was a hundred thousand. In one day. What happened? <laughs> Thieves came in and stole it legally. That's legalized thieving. The government did it. Nowhere else it happened except in Cyprus. But it happened. Now, 
For instance, let me give you an example here. Here is a value that Jesus taught, which is rewarded not only in this life, but also in that which is to come. And this principle or this value is found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And I want you to see that from your own Bibles, verse 29 and 30. Mark 10, 29 and 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that has left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, or lands for my sake and the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold in return, now, in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. What is the value or the treasure that Jesus is communicating here? The value of living for Jesus and his gospel in this life carries rewards, not only in this present world, but also in that which is to come. He said, anyone who sacrifices, who leaves for my sake and the gospel, he will receive what? How much? A hundredfold in return and in the life to come, eternal life. That is the value upon which we believers need to build our lives on. Living for Jesus, living for the gospel. And in order to do that, it, it's going to cost some things. I know I have left some friends, but God gave me better friends and more friends than the friends I had prior to my conversion. Hello. Now, if we treasure the Lord Jesus and his kingdom, or if that is the value by which we live, then our hearts will also be with him. We will wrap our hearts around him. For where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So when Jesus speaks about the heart, he speaks about the core of man, the, the passion, the pursuits, the goals, the affection is wrapped around our values. So it's so important that we have the right kind of values. Amen? The values that we live by, that we govern our lives by or the standards. Now, let's examine the, the, the word value system. What is a value system? I don't know if, you, if you've heard about it sometimes. Even in the world, people put up a, a whole list and say, these are our values. And they talk about how they will treat their clients or their customers and all of that. Now, values are a set of beliefs a set of practices, if you will, that we treasure and consider to be highly important in our lives as they form the foundation upon which we live our lives from day to day. That's what a value system is. Now, everybody lives by a value system, whether you are aware of it or not, whether you have your values written down or you have them written in your hearts. Every single person lives by a value system. Amen? And we need to examine what those values are because they govern the way we guide the affairs of life. Amen? So, <clears throat> our values will also determine how we relate to God, how we relate to one another, and how and in the manner in which we go about our business in our everyday lives, how we treat others. Values determine that. For instance, if one of your values is to treat everyone with dignity and respect, that's how you're going to live your life. Amen? Am I right? And we should have that value in our value system. That everyone is created equal in the sight of God. And we need to treat every person the way God would treat them, with respect, with dignity. Yes, sir. No, sir. And so on. Amen? Praise God. Are you with me? Are you with me out there? Praise the Lord. Now, 
Our beliefs, what we believe to be valuable, that's where our values are shaped. Our beliefs shape our values. Our values shape our character. Our character shape our conduct and behavior. So if you want to change a person, you've got to start with changing their values, not their behavior. Amen? That's how things work. What I believe to be valuable forms part of my value system. And that value system shapes the kind of person I am, whether I'm a loyal person, whether I'm a person of integrity, or whether I am a cheat and a liar. You with me? Or a, a, an un, unfaithful person. So what we believe, therefore, to be important in life forms part of our value system. Now, <clears throat> there are many who believe that certain things and practices are very valuable to them, but in the eyes of God they carry no value at all. Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15, you can read that from your own Bible, so take a note, He said to the Pharisees, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What usually the world considers honorable, respectful in the eyes of God is an abomination, like the pride of life or a self-made man. The world considers that as a, as a highly esteemed value. This man is a self-made man. He did what he did all by himself. So the world honors that and respects that. But in the sight of God, it's an abomination. Because anything outside of the grace of God and of the help of God and of the mercy of God in the eyes of God is nothing. Don't care what you have achieved in life. Amen? Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen? So it's important, therefore, to examine our beliefs in the light of God, in the light of His Word, in order to establish the right kind of values, because where are we going to base or derive our value system from? What, what are the standards by which we're going to draw from? Only the Word of God. Amen? Interpreted by His Spirit. Usually what happens in life is that our values are established from a very young age. What we are taught in our schools, for instance. Um, what we experience in life. Your experiences can form values. I mean, amen? So, for instance, if you've been constantly hurt by people, you develop a value system, just put up those walls and stay away from people. And there are people today that live lives isolated. They have withdrawn from people. Why? Because of their experiences they have constantly in life. So our values can also be derived by what we experience. Now, some, by what was primarily what was communicated by our parents when you were raised up, in what kind of home, what kind of family, what kind of environment you were raised up. Amen? For instance, one of our values that we raised our children was, I don't care how old they were, by 11 o'clock they have to be home. Amen? They were not allowed to go out with the opposite sex unless in a group. That was our values. We never sat them down and said, oh no, you shall do this, you shall do that. No, that was the value system by which they were brought up. Another value system was discipline with love. Amen. We adhered to those values. And those values were derived from the Word of God. Amen. Okay. Other values are, are derived from our culture. Depends what, what culture you were raised in. In, in. in some cultures, for instance, in the Greek Orthodox culture, 
some loved one passed away and you go to the funeral in a red dress, that's taboo. People will talk about you for days and months. You know, in fact, when I went, when I, when I went to Cyprus to bury my dad, I, um, I had a black, sh a black shirt, but my jacket was not completely black. So my uncle came up, his brother came up and says, how, how dare, how dare you wear this jacket at your father's funeral? I mean, that was, that was one of his values because of the culture uh, uh, he was raised in. I'm just giving you some examples. So some of these values are drawn from the cultures we were raised. And I'm not saying that every, every value from these cultures are all godly and honorable. Some of them I had to leave behind and reject because they were ungodly. Amen? So all of these sources are influential people in our lives. They can communicate their values to us. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So, but as born-again believers, we must allow the Word of God, interpreted by the Spirit of God, to shape our value system rather than anyone else, especially the world that we live in. Today, there are some things that have filtered into the church. They are considered as a normal Christianity, but they have nothing to do with Christianity. Yet we tolerate them, we put up with them. Why? Because it's in our value, it's in our culture. Amen? Especially when someone comes from an African culture, he comes into the church, into the body of Christ, and then they have this value of ancestral worship. What does he do? That value is from his culture, it's not from the Word of God. So he has to make a decision. She has to make a decision what to do with that. And the Word of God is the filter by which we filter every value and test and examine it whether it is a godly value or it is not. Amen? Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says the following, And be not conformed to this world. What does that mean? Don't shape your life according to the standards, the fashion, the mannerisms and the practices of this modern world, because it's ungodly. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, excuse me, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me say this. Character transformation. Can people say people don't really change? No, they do. Otherwise, what are we in the gospel business for if people don't change? Not many are willing to change because they're not willing, not because they cannot change. They can change if they are willing to change. So character transformation can only take place in the life of the person as he or she systematically changes their values, what they consider to be valuable and important. That's how you change your character. The ch to change one's behavior, you will first of all have to change his mind. And to change one's mind is called what? Renewing or, another word, the Greek word, metania, repent. Repentance means change the way you think. To change the way you think, you're going to have to change what you value. Amen? Amen? Right? So, our minds will always gravitate towards what? Our values. Jesus said, where your treasure is. Now listen to these words again. There will your heart, your passion, your pursuits, and your mind will be. Our minds predominantly are occupied with what we consider as valuable to us. If your children are valuable to you, guess where your minds will be? Where will they be? On your children. Amen? As I've said before, prior to my conversion, I lived an ungodly and selfish life. Why? Because my predominant value in life was the all-important person in my life was me. I lived to please myself and no one else. 
I did what I wanted to do. I went where I wanted to go, even when I got married. And that brought untold suffering. But when I converted, when I received Christ, my value system changed. And slowly, 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 from that day, self was no longer number one. I started to die. That's why Jesus said, if any of you desires to come after me, what must he do? Deny yourself, your thoughts, your opinions, the way you think, and do things my way. Take up the cross and follow me. Taking up the cross is dying to self, folks. And it's not easy. It is the filter by which every single disciple must go through before he attains greatness in the sight of God. No one can attain greatness in the eyes of God except he goes through the cross. Not around it, through it. And many refuse to be confronted with the cross today. They run. Why? Because it's painful. No one dies with a smile on his face. You die to your rights. You die to your opinions. You die to your own will. You die to your ambitions. You die to your dreams. But until you die to that, you're not going to experience the life in abundance that Jesus spoke about. Amen? So, and that's what we're talking about. I changed my value system. And when my value system changed, immediately my character changed. My behavior and my conduct changed towards my wife, towards my in-laws, towards my friends, towards my community, and towards God. Amen? That's what repentance is all about. So can you see how important your values are? And what you consider as worthy of respect. One of, the, one of the most honorable values in the kingdom of God is learning to forgive. Forgiveness is a fundamental value in the kingdom of God. Regardless of what you've gone through, who's done anything, or who's done to you, forgiveness is a fundamental value. We live by that every single day. Amen? Now... The more honorable our values are, the more honorable you will be. You agree with me? Because your values determine the kind of person you become. That is why throughout the New Testament, and if you are a, a, a Bible um, student, you will see it throughout the New Testament. We are encouraged and taught by the fathers of faith to value and pursue the greater things in life. Not to be mediocre, but to go for the best. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what Paul said to believers, and he's speaking to us today. He says, if ye then being risen with Christ. How many of us are risen with Christ? We're born again. The Bible says that you were raised together with Christ. When he raised, you were raised. Amen. And we are sitting where? At the right hand of God. Amen. So, he's talking to us. He's talking to you. He says, if you then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. What did Jesus say? Lay up treasures above and not beneath. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection. You see, if your affection, if your values are godly, your affection will wrap itself around them. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So, when we value what God values, so we need to ask the Lord, Lord, show me what you really value in life. What is valuable to you? I want to make it my own value. And that's what means being conformed to the image of His Son. Tell me, Lord, what do you love most? And I will love the most. What pleases you? I want to bring that into my value system and live by that standard. Why? We can do that by the, by the strength of the Holy Spirit living within us. Amen?
Now, when we value what God values, our affection and pursuits in life will be the same as the Lord's. Our prayers will change. We are not going to pray insignificant prayers anymore. We're going to hear what God values and we're going to wrap our hearts around those things and begin to push and begin to pray and intercede by the help of the Holy Spirit, bringing the very will of God here on the earth. Now, <clears throat> that's why I'm, I, I ask again, what does the Lord value and treasure above all? People. That's His treasure. You know, there's a verse in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that says God created you for conversation. He loves to fellowship with you and I. He loves your company. Amen? Now, God loves people, all kinds of people. That's His treasure. Rich and poor, black and white, Jews and Gentiles. He makes no distinction. That's God's treasure. In fact, Psalm 2, I think it says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth. Isaiah 45 says, I will give you the secret treasures in secret places. Something like, what treasures? I asked the Lord one, what treasures are you going to give me hidden in darkness? He said, people, souls of people that are in darkness and ignorance. Other people read that and they think, well, shoo, treasures, gold, money. Stocks, bonds. <laughs> but God is saying, I'm going to give you treasures in secret and dark places where there's ignorance. I'm going to bring you there and you are going to get my treasures out, my people, the souls of people. So, if people is what God treasures the most, hear this. A life that is devoted to serving others, hear me good, and dedicated to their welfare, beginning with our own family, is a life that is worth of honor in the eyes of God. If people are His treasure and we invest our lives in serving and encouraging and loving people in the eyes of God, we have achieved greatness. Amen? You may not have much in the bank, but if you have love in your heart for people, you are a wealthy person in the eyes of God. Amen? That is what God defines as greatness in a person. Greatness has nothing to do with titles, with riches, or position, but how well you serve those whom God has placed in your sphere of influence how you treat others, how you love others, how you respect, how you serve them, how you communicate and relate to them has great value in the sight of God. So Paul says, set your affection on things above. So when God says to me, set your affection on things above, then I say, what's God's treasure? Because where my treasure is, my heart will be people. I set my affection on people. That's why I left my business. Why? Because I couldn't do both. And the call of God came. I'm not saying that every one of you should leave what you're doing and go into the ministry. No, but you can start from where you are. Love people. Love the fellowship of the brethren. Love to meet together. Love to fellowship together. Love to build a sense of community. Because one of the values in the kingdom of God is community. That's what communion means. We have communion. There's a sense of community. There's a sense of love. There's a sense of hospitality. And I encourage you once in a while, share a meal here together. Don't put the DVD on. Just say, we're going to have a meal together. We're going to gather together and fellowship with one another. God loves that. And we should love that too. Build relationship. Hello. That's when God is going to bring other people in here. Why? Because they sense, they sense a spirit of community, of caring and loving and fellowshipping. It's a hard place out there. It's a rough place. And people are longing for a home, 
longing for a place where they can come and find shelter. Amen? Find love, find care, find community. Praise the Lord. Now, where are we? we still got some time. There are only two sets of values in the world. Not, not anymore, only two. The one is a godly value system. The other is a worldly value system. People of the world do not believe in God. Amen. They live by another value system that we call a worldly value system, which promotes and entices us to live for self and the desires of the fallen nature. Namely, and John outlines this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. John the Apostle, writing on these very subject, he says to believers in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through to 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now listen, because <clears throat> some people confuse this. When John says that all that is in the world, he refers to a system of beliefs, practices, and values. That's what he's referring to. A worldly system that is made up of beliefs, practices, and values, which is based and founded upon the pursuits and the desires of the fallen nature of man. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of love. He says, don't love those practices, those beliefs, amen, and those values. That's what he means when he says, love not the world. Now, there's a difference between loving and using something. We can use the things of the world, but don't love them. Don't set your heart, don't set your affection on them. Because all that is in the world is based upon these three pillars. In other words, whatever your flesh desires to do, give in to it, do it. Whatever makes you happy. I mean, you've heard that. Our goal in life is to be happy. Whatever your flesh wants to do, just do it. Give in to it. Whatever your eyes see, just covet it. And if you can't buy it, steal, kill, do whatever it takes, but get it. That's the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life, whatever puffs you up, pursue that. Do you see that? That's what John says. If we love the world or love those things in the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. Because that is completely ungodly and unholy. Amen? Now, <clears throat> this, in fact, James says that this wisdom is descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. What wisdom is he talking about? He's talking about the worldly wisdom. And the worldly wisdom pursues what? The desires and the passions of the fallen nature of man. He says this wisdom is earthly, is sensual, is devilish. Amen? Now, the godly value system, of course, is founded and based upon the Word of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the righteous nature of the born-again person. See, when you get born again, your spirit changes, your nature changes, and you desire things that are godly deep down in your spirit. Amen? Those of us who are born again know that. Amen? None of us wants to live in sin. None of us. If you've been born again, you don't want to live that kind of life. Amen? So Paul, writing to Timothy, also instructs him what to flee from and avoid and what to pursue in life. The, the New Testament is full of these things. 
It gives us wisdom and guidance where we should put our treasure, where we should put our passion and devotion and the pursuit of our life. He says the following in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 10 through to 12. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, he didn't say money is the root of all evil. Did he say that? Many misquote that. It's the love of it. Money is neither evil nor good. You know, it depends who has it and what he does with it. It's neutral. But the love of it is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee what? Flee the love of it. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. All of these are values in God's value system. God values faith. He honors faith, does he not? He honors meekness and gentleness. He honors patience. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, <clears throat> when he says that some have coveted after, he's not talking about unbelievers here. He's talking about believers. They were in the faith. They were walking with God. And somehow, the lust of the eyes got hold of them. They covered it after. And what did they do? They were distracted. They were sidetracked. And they pursued the love of it, the love of money. And all they wanted was to gain riches and wealth. And the Bible says they pierced themselves. Now, God didn't pierce them. They pierced themselves. Now, there are some poor people that have pierced themselves with many sorrows because their hearts were wrapped around money. And by that token, if the love of money is the root of all evil, I would say this, the love of Jesus and for Jesus is the root of all goodness and righteousness. Amen? You see, our hearts were created for devotion. Our hearts were created by God Himself in order to receive His love and to give it away. Now, if our hearts were created for such devotion, and we devote ourselves to other things beside the Lord, then we are headed for trouble. You see, it's the substitutes that this world offers that entices a person. But in Jesus, we find all that we need all will ever need for whatever he has called us to do. So it's important for us to develop a godly value system. Do you believe it's important? Mm. To sit down and to say, what are my real values? The values are the ones that we have written on, on our hearts, not, not on a piece of paper. So because our, ha our values will help us to express who we really are, and what we stand for. Now, if at any time we get disconnected from those values, we will end up making decisions that are based on, on, uh, on, on feelings or emotions. Your emotions go up and down. Amen? They change every day, but your values should not change. Or instant gratification. If you get disconnected from your values or the standards that you live by, would you agree with that? But, you know, rather than acting in faith and love and responsible decision-making. So the true values that we hold are the ones that we actually live by. Not what you say you value. What, what you live. Those are the values that you practice. For instance, if I claim to value something and do the opposite, then I actually value something else. Am I right? Example, if I claim to value truth and yet continue to lie, that means, what does that mean? That I value something far more than honesty. So, <clears throat> having values written on paper, it will do us no good unless they are on the walls of our hearts. Listen to what the psalmist said in closing. Psalms chapter 40 verse 8. 
The psalmist said in this verse of Scripture, I delight, I take joy, and I take pleasure to do your will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. The psalmist delighted in doing the will of God. Why? Because God's values, God's statutes, God's word, and God's standard were written not on a piece of paper. They said, they are within my heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes the word of God and he writes them as we allow him on the walls of our hearts. So when the word is in our hearts, we delight to do the will of God. We delight to live by the values and the standards and the practices of God. So that's the secret. Amen? The one and only way to have these values written in our hearts and minds is to devote ourselves. Notice the word devote to the written word of God. You've you, you got to live by the word. Jesus said man cannot live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the more time you spend reading, studying, meditating the Word, you will come out far stronger and far more intelligent and wise, and you will begin to live naturally by the values and the standards of God's kingdom. Just a couple of verses for you to have in mind. Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? So that I may not sin against thee. How do you stay away from sin? By fighting it, by resisting it? No, by storing the word of God into your heart. The more of the word you store in your heart, the higher you rise. Amen? And you live on another platform, on another level. You don't struggle down there. You become an eagle and you soar above. How? I have hid your word in my heart. Psalm 119, 97. How I love thy law. Now, let's change that word and say, how I treasure thy law. Can you say that? Amen. What you treasure is what you love. How I treasure your law, your word. It is my meditation all the day. The psalmist, because he valued the Word of God far above all, guess where his mind was all day long? On the Word. What God says. What God says. Now, he didn't walk around with a Bible. No, but in his mind and in his heart, the Word of God talked to him, communicated with him. That's why often I ask people when they make a decision, what did God say? Uh, what scripture did he give you? Well, did he say anything? You know, sometimes I hear people, and I say this with all sincerity and all the kindness I can master. Yes, but I feel the Lord is... I, I don't care what you feel. Give me the scripture that you're standing on, or the scripture that God spoke to you about it. What did he say? Especially when you're making major decisions in life. Hello? Every decision, especially it is an, if it's an important one, has to be based on the Word. God speaks through His Word. Yes, He speaks through His Spirit, but also through the Word. Now, Michael mentioned this last week in his sermon. He said he gave a beautiful testimony. A number of years ago, most of you know Michael. He was a young believer. He just came to the church very green behind the ear. So he came up to me one day and he said, Pastor, I have had a fantastic offer to go tour with a young group of people overseas. They will pay me very, very well. And I'm going to have an opportunity to go around Europe and the countries. And, and he said, uh, what do you think? Well, thank God the Lord gave me wisdom. <laughs> I didn't tell him, don't go. I said, well, have you prayed about it? He said, no. I said, well, I recommend you go talk to God about it and see what he says. After a few days, he came back to me and he said, Pastor, the, the Lord spoke to me. And I said, what did he say? He pointed me to the scripture where God said, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are beneficial.
Wow. I said, well, what do you think God is saying? Well, he's saying I'm free to do whatever I want to. I can decide to go, but will that decision help my faith? Because he says, you know what happens when you go out with young people in a group and the things that go on and the nightclubs and all of those things? If he had gone, he would not be where he is today. That's why I say to you, make decisions that are based on the word. If you're not hearing, then fast until you hear. But make sure that you heard from God. Well, I said, what can I say? The Lord already spoke to you. There you go. Just do what God said to. Amen. All right. Now, Psalm 17, verse 4. Listen to what the psalmist said. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Wow. How are we kept from the paths of the destroyer? By the words of thy lips, O Lord. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy words was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Do you see how he valued the word? said, your words were found, and what did I do? I, I ate them. How do you eat the Word of God? You meditate on it, and you digest it, and it becomes part of your nature. Amen? That way, our value system will be one that is honorable, and we will seek the greater things in life, and what we will end up doing is storing up treasures in heaven where thieves can't, can't break in where moth and rust doth not corrupt. Amen? Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for teaching us, instructing us, and guiding us with your word and your wisdom. Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may the word that we have heard today do according to what you are pleased. We believe that this word will not return to you void, but will accomplish that which you please, and it will prosper in the thing whereto you sent it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.